Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, and we are so excited to be back with you for another episode all about how we build our event teams. There's so much to discuss in this episode, and so we're going to get into it in just a moment. But before we do, this is also a call out for sponsors. So if you work for a company or are connected to any companies that may be interested in sponsorship for the Better Events Podcast projects, we have some projects coming up that may be of interest to them. And if you don't, you can also always buy us a coffee via the link in the show notes. So besides that, we're going to go ahead and get into the episode. So thank you so much. And here we go. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson. And before we jump into our topic all about how we build our event teams, we're going to do our little conversation starter. This should be something you're used to by now. But Mary, my question for you today is, how do you feel about your current work-life balance? You know, I think that it's pretty good right now. We're in, you know, the summer season and for me, that's a little less busy. And so I'm feeling, feeling like there's definitely a balance there. Now, if I have, I actually, this is ironic because I felt myself working like a little bit later in the days, but I think it's because I'm like, Ooh, I can do whatever I want. Like my schedule is flexible. And the next thing I know, I'm like working till seven. It's weird how that works out that way. So I actually have had to be a little bit firmer with boundaries with myself. Like let's be productive so that you can be done and go outside or something like that. So I don't know. It's been better, but it's been different, if that makes sense. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I'd say probably similar to you. I think we both have like a similar slow season that whether we did that on purpose or not. So I feel like I have a, I'm definitely more heavier on the life side than the work side um, of what I'm doing right now. But I'm also coming up on a season this fall of being very work heavy and very little life heavy. So I it's a constant struggle. I feel like, because I'm like you, that I want to lean in and enjoy the free time that I have. I've also been having slower mornings, getting to read, which is start my day, which is always great or go to the gym. Um, So that's been really fun, but I also know myself and it's also a struggle to not then want to fill the free space with saying yes to last minute events or or different things. So um, I I think I'm, I'm, it's a muscle I'm working on of being more life heavy because it's really easy for me to be work heavy. (laughs) Oh, totally. Absolutely. We need these moments to kind of balance things out sometimes. So I hear you. If you're listening to this, hopefully you have some work-life balance in your life right now. If not, you should. Here you go. (laughs) Go go figure it out. But that being said, easier said than done sometimes. But we are excited for our topic today. We are talking about how to build our event teams. And this was a topic um, suggestion and question that we got from listener Alicia Alicia is a great friend of the pod. And Alicia asked, when it comes to working on other people's teams or hiring on to build your own teams, what qualities are you looking for first? Like character traits, qualifications, referrals, knowledge, all those things. Like what does it take to try to build these teams out? Um, and then along with this, recently we had an episode where we talked about some hard things about being a business owner and our career. And we posted on Instagram like a little question box asking folks what 
something that has been a challenge for them in their career lately. We got a response from listener Diana that has to do with this topic a little bit as well. So I wanted to call it out. And Diana said that something challenging for her in her career is that um, she she works in events and her only other staff member quit and she was right in the middle of a busy season. So it sounds like it's a busy season for her right now. Um, and so there's definitely some lack of support that I'm sure you're feeling, Diana. And so all of this has to do with teams, right? We are really influenced by, you know, the people who are working with to put on these events. And so this is why we chose this topic for today. And when we say event teams, what does that actually mean to you, Logan? Yeah, I like the approach to this that I wanted to, from my end, set would be that event teams can really mean a lot of different things. So it can be your actual full-time company team. It can be the team you've assembled just to execute this one day or multi-day or week-long event. Um, So there's not just, I guess, one version of this. And I think that's how I interpreted Alicia's question was how this can apply both to freelancers and contractors, but also if you are full-time like our listener, Diana, who maybe had hiring hired folks who worked for her full-time solely. Um, so I feel like it's a very fluid definition. So it's either those like your full-time team, or it could be also folks that you're just tapping into for a specific event or specific project. Mary, do you uh, agree with that? Or how did you define event teams? Totally. And I'm glad that you called that out because as I was thinking through the episode, I'm like, but what, you know, like the expectation and for, for me difference between like freelance or a hired, like a full-time hired person, those expectations are, are what I'm looking for is actually pretty different. And I think that's really interesting. So as we go through, maybe I'll kind of think about both. But um, initially my response was like, kind of like freelance. You're trying to like build a team for a specific event. So those people are usually temporary and what that looks like. So I guess keep both in mind as we are discussing today. Yeah. So Mary, how do you, how do you build your event team? Do you have job descriptions? Is it more of a formal process or do you think you do more like informal recruiting? Yeah, it's definitely referral based, you know, like, who do you know, or who do I know that can do this? And the the problem, and I know that this is a problem that a lot of us experience is that it's very much a sense of when I need it, I need it now, you know, and and we don't like that, right? (laughs) Vendors don't like that. We don't like that, but that's the reality that it is sometimes. So for me, when I'm like building out proposals, I've tried to be like really clear with myself, like what kind of team, you know, is it going to take to pull this off? And I'll identify roles or at least titles kind of, but I don't know who is going to fill that necessarily. I just know that I need somebody to do it. And what they actually do, like the tasks within that role really vary based on what I learn about the event. And I don't know that when I'm starting, I learn it as I continue to work with the clients, see where the gaps are and see how they work and things like that. And I'm like, oh, wow, we really are going to need somebody over there. And so I don't want to get anybody yet. That's how it is for me. Um, Because I really want to pick someone that's going to fit the role and I don't have the information until I'm working the event and can figure it out. So that's kind of the struggle, I guess, that I've been facing lately, because I know that's not a amazing way for other people like if I go to somebody it is more last minute for that reason and so that can be a challenge but but that being said it is very much referral based because of that um yeah what about you Logan how do you usually build your teams yeah I think it's similar it's definitely a more informal process than a traditional like full-time you know application and that's how I've also been hired a lot I, I, I rarely am getting a job that is through a formal job description that I saw online and I applied for. So like thinking again, I know Alicia, a friend of the pod, does a lot of contract work. So if you are someone who's more looking for contract project-based work, 
unfortunately you are going to be dealing with a lot of people like Mary and myself who don't know what they need until they need it now. And so you have to kind of put a lot of feelers out of letting people know what you do and what you're excited about and what kind of roles you're really into right now and just kind of stay on top of it. Not like weekly communication, but like, you know, pretty regularly reminding them of like, Hey, I'm here, I'm available and I'm interested. So that when those short term moments come up, they can think of you and get you the project because I think it's just a little different, like full-time roles. I have seen some that do like more, if you're trying to work for like a sports team or an agency full-time, they'll often have an actual job description. And Mary, I'd be interested. Did you have a job description for your hire? Cause you now are a team of two. Yeah. So that process was very different than what I just said it. And it was, you know, an official like job, job description situation. And we, and we very much live off that job description now, like it's our source of truth. So that was really valuable to be able to nail down originally, which yeah, I know it's the exact opposite of what I just said about hiring <laughs> freelancers or contractors, but that's kind of how it works. Cause when someone's in it for the long haul, those expectations are pretty different. Yeah. And I think um, to also clarify for like what we talk about with referral base is a lot of it is also us asking other people in events, hey, I have a need for this role or this kind of task. Do you know someone who can or can you do it? And if not you, then who? Um, And so it's a lot of kind of like the friend of the friend can get you the project. And that's what I've seen and experienced myself for some roles that I've had um, and clients that I get introduced to. It's not often that I reached out to them. It might be that they reached out to someone who knew me and that person was booked or it wasn't the right fit for them. And they then referred that person to me. So that referral doesn't have to be direct. It can kind of be like an indirect referral. Um, I feel like the only way to not get on an event team is to just not, not promote yourself at all. Like not reaching out is really, honestly, if you think you can just sit there and people are going to come to you, that takes a really long time of building that up. And um, I think I'm experiencing a little bit of that, of letting people come to me, but also that's, in addition to me also being very proactive and also reaching out and um, that creates kind of that cycle. Um, you can't really have a passive, a passive seat in your career in the event industry. I feel like you really do need to be networking. Yeah. I think that's such a great call out on staying top of mind for people. Um, and, and that's how it is. Like when, when I described when it is that last minute, we just need someone, it is kind of who pops up first in my mind. Um, and then I hope that they're available and then kind of move down. But actually something that I want to do, which is applicable to this is I want to build out a, like a, just a sheet for myself that has like a list of folks who freelance or contract and I can write, you know, like what, what I remember about them, you know, or like, or if I've worked with them, like what really stood out and things like that. So that when I am in these situations that I can go refer back to that. So that's just been on my personal list as someone who could hopefully bring someone on a team to kind of be able to refer to something like that. I will say if I can call this out, I think it's just helpful, you know, for the podcast, we're all about, you know, building this community. So if you're a freelancer, contractor, event person, no matter where you're located, maybe send us an email um, let us know like what tasks you really love to do for events and where you're located. And I think that this is probably just a really valuable bit of information um, that we'd love to have from you. So please send us that. Just wanted to plug that really quick too. It feels applicable. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, transitioning into kind of our next aspect of this. So how we build them and then what qualities are we looking for or qualities or traits do we look for first? And while Mary and I both mentioned, like we both like referrals. So it helps just kind of asking someone who's already like having worked with them before, 
either if you've worked with them before or you know someone who has, just asking them what stands out really goes a long way. But in terms of traits and qualities, I feel like the events are so special because you really get to, there's so many different aspects of it, but that can also be very basic where I've told some people that I'm like, all you have to do is do what you said you were going to do. Like if you said you were going to help people check in at the event and you did that, thumbs up. You're doing great. I probably would call you again. Or if I said I you said you were going to arrive at 8 a.m. and you arrived at 8 a.m. or earlier, that's great. You said you, you're going to do what you're going to do. Um, and again, you can get more into the nitty gritty. I see Mary like kind of giggling at me a little bit, but <laughs> I think there's also, you know, special other traits on top of that that help. But like, it's really the bare minimum. Like if you can't be trusted to execute a task, whether it's incredibly independent or you're just a piece of a larger puzzle on a team, like that has a big impact. And I've witnessed that even managing like volunteers who are not getting paid to be there, but what makes a, a standout volunteer than a just okay volunteer would be that the standout is like, doing what they were asked to do and then probably going above and beyond. But even like for me, that's, I've, that's been like a bar I've seen um, when working with different people for the first time that I'm like, usually if I get a red flag from the start, it's because they can't even do what they said they were going to do, let alone go above and beyond. I'm giggling because I feel attacked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, what you said is true. I actually really like this, like the simplicity of it. Yeah. I'm like over here thinking, I'm like, you're right. That's actually what it is. But if we're going to give more qualities, that maybe we're looking for at first, I would say um, this one, this I think is coming from a place of like, I don't know, there's some emotion behind it. So take it or leave it. But like someone who doesn't seem too busy that they don't even like have time for my request. Like, you know, I need someone. So I ask them, but they're just like so busy. They can't even respond to me or like they turn it down. And that's totally OK if you turn it down. No hard feelings at all. But like in a way that just seems like total like like almost like not appreciative. It makes me not want to ask them ever again because I don't want to bug. I don't want to get somebody who doesn't want to do it. Like I want somebody who wants the experience or opportunity. And so like that attitude is really frustrating for me. Um, so I would say that's something I'm, I guess, not looking for. Um, but at the same time, also someone who um, I'm not really looking for someone who's like doing me a favor either. Like, does that make sense? Like I, we have, we have a lot of, you know, event connections in the industry and the folks who have done me a favor sometimes are the ones that I haven't been like super pleased with how it's happened. And so I, I want somebody who, you know, who's, who's dedicated. Um, but that being said, um, I think other qualities could be like someone who um, on site, like maybe most importantly, arguably on site, they have like a really positive presence, especially with clients. If they're client facing and all, they don't make the client feel like, you know, they did a bad job ever or something like that. Cause I think that's, uh, this is something that someone else told me and it stuck with me because she was saying, um, you know, when she goes into events, she never wants to make the client who has been also working on this event for a really long time. And she mainly does like day of work. So she doesn't want to go in and make ever make them feel like they made a bad decision or doing a bad job. Because think about it. If any of you do events, we put like our heart and soul and time and stress into these events, no matter who you are, it's not helpful to have somebody come in and just say, oh, you should have done it this way. That's like, that's like very triggering. <laughs> and so someone who uh, understands that and can come in and just be a positive presence, I think is also really crucial. But any other qualities on your end, Logan? 
Yeah, we've definitely, well, you're just to add on to your comment there was a quote from James Clear who writes The Atomic Habits and he's got a great newsletter. I'll, we can add the link in the show notes for um, getting to that. But he had a quote that I think aligns with what you were saying, Mary, where it says, be a problem solver, not a problem adder, um, which I wrote down as just like that I feel like really sums up a lot of what we do in events. Um, I think to your point about on-site, that's a big one for me. And we've talked about it for sure in past episodes here on the podcast, but I haven't thought of a better or more elegant way to say this, but I just, I always call it your event chill. And like, that is a secret sauce for anybody who works in events. Um, and probably when I was first getting started, I think I definitely believed you either have it or you don't, you can either be a chill on site or you, you aren't. And I have now more evolved that maybe it's just, you're in the wrong role because the event industry is so large and there's so many different roles you can do in events. So if you have an experience where you're on site and maybe you weren't the most quote unquote chill, meaning you were showing panic on your face, you were visibly stressed out. So you're adding to the stressful situation. It might not mean that events aren't the right fit for you. It just might be whatever that role was, isn't the right fit for you. And you should try a different role in the event world, in that specific event. Um, it'd be more if you have it time and time again, that you are constantly stressed out in a, in a way that other people are picking up on, then maybe events aren't for you. Because the way I sum up event chill is honestly, is that you have to have the ability to have a smile and be nice and calm with like attendees or your client, while like there could potentially be like an actual fire burning. And I mean, you'd be helping, you know, escort everybody out if it is a true fire, but it could be a proverbial fire, but you're not letting that show on your face. And I had some people that I worked with and still to this day, I feel like I can sense it for people who maybe like the glamorous side of events and getting the access to celebrities or cool venues or fun photos, but like don't realize that a lot of the work is also just like absorbing the stress of others and reflecting back calm you know, positive energy. And that can be very, you know, at the end of the day can be stressful, but in the moment, that's kind of what you need to be doing. And so that's another thing that I look for in teams and why it is usually referral based because some of that's really hard. I haven't gotten good interview questions down to like suss that out of some people. Cause I think some people are great talkers and then you put them in a stressful situation and it's like, oh, they did not react to that correctly. Or Mary and I were working with an AV gentleman on a project a couple months ago who was like, openly in front of the client being like, everything is awful. I was like, sir, let's go step over to the side. I don't, it could be awful, but you don't need to say that to them because we also have plans of how we're fixing things. Like you're adding, you're adding to the stress. Um, so I feel like that's a big one is just like event chill. And that can come in all different forms. You can be a little bit more quiet and, you know, calm as your style, or you can be a little bit more direct and, you know, kind of in more in someone's face about it. But both of those have calming effects. They're just different. Yeah. I think that's, calm is contagious it's just such a such a true statement that lives on for sure um i this actually i have another question this is a random question that's popping up in my head logan but i'd love to hear your thoughts so uh, i know what when i've been in situations where i'm trying to get hired you know freelance or on another event team um they'll like i don't know how to pitch myself because we like i think a, a lot of us can resonate with the fact that we do a lot of different things and events some of us some of you you know do very specific things and i'm almost like jealous of that because it's hard when you do a lot of things and you're going to pitch yourself to somebody and they're like well what like what do you do and you're like i do a lot of stuff like events are crazy there's so many like components of it which one do you want me to talk about you know it's like i'm almost like challenging for me to pitch myself so maybe it is for other people as well um so I'm wondering if you kind of have like any thoughts or that, or if there's questions that you've asked or that someone has asked you that really give you the opportunity to really like say what you're good at or sell yourself in some way. 
Yeah, I feel like what I often ask from freelancers or people that I meet who want to work at events and I might not have a role in my head or a project that's applicable, but I'm like, let me happy to make an intro to some larger event agencies that are doing way, you know, have more events at one time that they're doing. I always ask for like two, three sentences of what excites you. Cause I think to your point, Mary, like you can do a lot of things, but like, and that can change. That answer could be one thing now and six months from now, you're like, actually, I really like this other thing that just helps me recommend you. Cause like, it is really hard if you're like, I'm an event manager and I'm great at all aspects of events. It's like, okay, that's really hard to like, make sure I think of you. Like they give them something to associate you with. Like right now I've been telling people I'm an event producer, anything that has a microphone, a stage, a performance, a, anything like that production side, that's my jam. And while that can happen on a sports field, it can happen at a conference, it can happen at a nonprofit event. Like I am your girl to talk all things production. I can also do full event management, the whole soup to nuts, the entire event, but just know this is like my secret sauce. If you're looking for that piece. But yes, I can do more. But like, that's kind of how I focus it. Um, and I think if your jam is doing everything, it would be more like, are you really excited about project management tools and keeping the entire event flow on a specific work, you know, work back schedule timeline, like saying some of those things like specifics, I think help you stand out um, with with different people. And that's for me has been helpful when folks give me something specific to hold on to um, for making those kind of introductions. That's a great point. Thanks for calling that out. I think that's really helpful. Awesome. But yes, listeners, if you don't have a two to three sentence about what you do, no matter if you work full-time or freelance, write that down. It's just really helpful. Mm -hmm. It's like your elevator pitch, but also just having that is really, and you can put it in a place and look at it six months from now. And yes, it could have changed and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I guess going back to kind of our scheduled programming, what uh, potential red flags, like we've talked about qualities that we want, but what about like potential red flags for team members? What have we seen or what's a red flag for you? I feel like we we already sprinkled these in with the qualities yeah, we that we look for because it's sometimes <laughs> easier to think about the qualities you don't like. Because uh, that being said, I guess I, we didn't say at the beginning, but like there are a lot of awesome people in the event industry. And that is like the people are the part of events that I honestly love. And so like that can feel intimidating at times because there's so many people to choose from of why maybe you're not getting the first phone call or the second phone call, or even the third. But it's also like really encouraging because like Mary said earlier too, there's a lot of things we need last minute. And so maybe your first or second choice isn't available. That doesn't mean your third choice isn't just as good. Um, but so making sure that you're continuing to put yourself out there because there's also a lot of people doing good things. But my red flags we've talked about already was like not doing what you were told to do. <laughs> like I feel like for me personally is just like showing up late, whether that's to meetings to the event itself, like there's certain things that I'm like, times were set on purpose. And I get that like emergencies come up, you get a little fender bender or your something happens with your kid. Like I get that, but like get ahead of it and tell me, don't just not show up or be late for 30, 40 minutes. Cause you're kind of disrespecting. This comes from my like sports mentality. I was on a lot of teams where we like ran sprints when someone on the team didn't do like cut something short or something like we all had to run sprints. So I think that's where this comes from. Cause like, it really bothers me both if I'm leading a team or on a team, because I find it like disrespectful for everybody else who came on time. So I'd say that's a big one. And then you hit on one, Mary, that I think is fascinating about the, like the excitement of wanting to work that event because energy is contagious. And if there's somebody who doesn't want to be there and it is obvious that they don't really want to be there, that kind of trickles into the team as well and trickles into your experience. And it's just not fun. Even if they're doing you a favor or something like that, like it is one that I, I've had a couple experiences with folks where it's been like, 
I don't think I'm going to work with you again because I felt like I was pulling teeth to get stuff out of you. I had to micromanage in a way that that's not fun for me. It can't be fun for you. And it's just an unnecessary amount of stress. Um, so I feel like that's on you as well as the contractor to say yes to things you're genuinely excited about or fake it. <laughs> like you don't have to then openly be kind of like the, the Debbie Downer of the group. Mary, how about you? What are some potential red flags? Yeah. In addition to those, I would say like for, for me, it's somebody who like doesn't want to use my systems. Like they come in and they just like don't. It's really frustrating for me because like once again, they're there for a reason. And that's what I expect if you're like I'm bringing you on because um, that's how we work. So I don't want somebody to come in and make us work how they work. They need to work how we work. Um, but then also if they're not, you know, timely in their client responses, anything client facing really drives me crazy. If it's internal, I can deal with it a little bit more or more patiently. But if it's anything client facing, really small amount of patience, which is maybe sometimes hard for me, but that's okay. So I'd say that. And then also, um, like you said, anyone who just like requires me to follow up with them regularly. It's not worth my time. That sounds so mean, but it's true. It's just like really having somebody come in and own uh, own it, I think is what is really helpful for all of us. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, another point to make too, because I, I think some of us could be guilty of some of these red flags at times because yeah. maybe the project wasn't the right fit or um, we talked about formal, how do we you know build our teams? Do we have formal job descriptions and something I've been doing that I've, I experienced it with larger agencies that I had a relationship with somebody or they referred me, they called me a producer. And that word is so big and overarching. It really, a lot of people are like, what does it mean? So I've gotten better at actually having a scope of work that I will like do a phone call, one or two phone calls with the people who are leading the team and be like, can I, I'm going to put together a scope of work that lays out how I understand my responsibilities. Can you look at it and just sign off on it? So I know we're on the same page. And I highly encourage that. And it's unfortunately, it's kind of on you as the contractor because agents, I, multi-million dollar agencies aren't doing this. So this is hard for something like Mary and I to do. I've started to try to do it when I can and have the time. But if you're ever in a scenario where they haven't given you like bullet pointed expectations, deliverables, like I just highly encourage you to go through that exercise because that has been really helpful for me with also very early on getting to suss out, is this actually what I want to do? Um, and then have a document of truth that we can go back to, to be like, hey, we talked about, I was going to be overseeing this that's still the case or you, you know, you're taking it off my plate or you asked me this, that's not listed. Do you want to add that to my scope? That's probably going to add hours. You know, it just gives you facilitates conversation, having that's like written down scope of work versus an understanding. Totally. And also like, like you were kind of saying before, like, I know I'm like over here feeling like hypocritical because I've definitely made like a lot of these mistakes that are red flags to me. <laughs> and I think that's how it is though. So like overall, like if you, you know, you're going to make mistakes, we make mistakes. If you do one of these things, no big deal, but like own it. For me, if someone comes and, you know, they're like, you know, I really actually dropped the ball there. And I'm like, great. All is forgiven. I'm just really glad that you recognized it. So let's do better. Like, and, and I've, I do that. I do that a lot. Like myself, like I definitely drop the ball on things. And so I am not, I don't want us to come across as like, I don't know what mean people, but we get it. And we just really we're appreciate not perfect. it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. We're not perfect either, which I think leads us to our, our next question, Mary, which is have, have we had to fire people that we've worked with? I have not. I feel like I'm in the clear for this question. Logan, what about you? <laughs> Uh, I have officially and unofficially fired people. I had a role that I did 
um, at an event. It was a multi-week event and it was managing a large team of about like 25, um, I'd say younger folks, so college aged. Um, and we'd set very strict rules about not using your cell phone while you're working and a couple other, but we were very, it was like three rules. It wasn't 15, it was three. And one of them was about using your cell phone at work. And if you had an emergency, you could come and pre-approve it with us. We actually like took everyone's cell phones and put them in a place so that they weren't a distraction during the day. And then they got them back at the end of the day. And I'd have a couple of times, like someone had a job interview or something and we'd pre-approve it. And unfortunately when I got hired, the woman in charge, like my manager was like, oh, we always fire someone. And I was like, that's so disappointing. Like, that's really, I feel like negative. And she's like, nope, it sets, she was like, really helped me realize like how important it was for the team of like, we have a rule, we stuck to the, you broke it. And so the other 20 people are going to stay on, but unfortunately you have to leave. So I had to, I did work that event for two years in a row and unfortunately had to fire someone both you know, both years. But again, they were quite understanding. And one person, it was like they had two cell phones and they'd willingly like snuck the second one and not told us about it. Um, so those are like my official ones, like mid event, having to dismiss someone and say, sorry, you know, it was great working with you. We set our expectations. You didn't follow them. You know, we can try again next year. Um, and then I've unofficially fired people in the sense that I have like just not asked them back for events that I've worked on. Um, mainly because of those some of those red flags that we've talked about. And I think your point you just made of then not owning up to it. Because again, like I said, life happens. And if you come in like super apologetic of like, hey, when I said yes to this project, you know, here's what my schedule looked like. It blew up at me and all of a sudden I wasn't able to do, like I admit I did not do X, Y of the X, Y, Z you asked me to do. And I appreciate you doing that for me and I'm going to do better next year. And I've had some people I've worked with who just haven't acknowledged that. And it's just one of those that I, I'm like, there's too many people that I know who are great and would love to work with me. And I would love to work with that. It's not worth my time trying to kind of coach that person to be more aware. Um, so I think having that self-awareness, if you do mess up, just admit, just admit to it and accept whatever those consequences are. Cause they sometimes are like, maybe you just don't get to work with that person again, but at least you left on a good foot or maybe you do get to work with them again. So firing is not fun, <laughs> but it's also a learning experience for everyone yeah. involved, including in doing the firing. <laughs> I cried after the first person I fired. It was really emotionally I totally intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't envy that at all for sure. So I'll live vicariously for you for that and learn, learn through your lessons. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay. So then what advice do we have for folks looking to grow their skills or become more attractive for working at events? I think there's there's probably a lot. And I know we've had, we have a skills episode where we kind of talk about skills, which I think is probably really applicable to this question, but there are others as well. So I know one of mine is like being comfortable with tech and platforms. Somebody who just is, is really helpful because oftentimes I, it's involved, you know, in some way or another, just be able to have someone who could fill in if you need to, because tech and platforms are so unpredictable is really valuable. Um, so that's one of mine, but what's one of yours, Logan? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I feel like when I started my own business and working for myself, everybody was like, your values, your network. And I found that really depressing because I didn't feel like I had a big network when I first started. Uh, and it is something that I feel like I assumed a lot of people were born into or their family had ties or something that like, that's how they got ahead. And I feel like I've really learned it's, that's not the case. It's honestly, you can build your network and you can build it from like cold outreach on LinkedIn. And so if you are someone who is looking to grow your, your skills, a lot of it is you just need the experience. It's that chicken and the egg we talk about in this podcast a lot. You need the gig to get the experience. We need the experience to get the gig. And so reaching out to folks and just casting a really wide net, especially if you're looking for more contract or freelance work, 
uh, it's only going to benefit you. And whether that's interviewing people about their event experience and starting to glean like, oh, that sounded interesting, uh, but not that, you know, and being able to narrow down your own two, three sentence intro that you give people of what you want to do or if it's volunteering. But like there's you can't shout it from the rooftops more what you do and what you're interested in because you never know where that lead's going to come from. And if you just kind of sit around and hope your formal social media posts or the three people you've told that you really want to work at the Super Bowl are going to help you get to the Super Bowl, probably not. You need to actually be reaching out to people actively all the time. Um, And so I would just say, make a list. I have a list on my planner that I have to reach out to three, four people every week. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. But a lot of it is like maybe a new person on LinkedIn I found interesting and two people that I worked with a year ago and they just haven't heard from me. And I can tell you right now, I got one gig with a dream client of mine that I just reached out to her at the right time and she made a role for me at her event. Like, and the only reason, like, I can sit here and be like, maybe she would have come up and on her own, like sitting in her office and thought of me and been like, oh, Logan's amazing. I should make her a role. But I don't think that was the case. I think it was because I sent her an email a couple months ahead of her event being like, hey, checking in. How are things? Here's what I've been up to. Hope you're doing well. Or this thing reminded me of you. Like, you just kind of have to stay top of mind because I would say Mary and I are also guilty of it. We get busy and we forget some great people that we worked with, not on their fault or our fault. It just life happens. And so you need to stay top of mind and check in with your people regularly and reach out to new people. That's so true. I can like definitely like testify of that as well because I have reached out to folks and then, you know, they're like, well, actually, you know, there's this one thing and I'm like, great, perfect. Like, it's just always, it seems like great timing. So I love that advice for sure. Um, Another skill um, or advice for someone who can grow their skills would be to be able to like project manage timelines, of course, but like always looking ahead to see what's next and not being annoying, but being, um, you know, aware and keeping the person who either the team you're working with or the person who's hiring you on task. That's something that's really valuable to me is to know that I'm not the only one who knows what's going on. But if someone is proactive enough to also, you know, be aware of the timeline and ask, you know, oh, like, how's, are we, are we doing this? I see that that's coming up. That to me is like a, oh my gosh, like what a a surprise would that would be if somebody like asked me that question. I don't know. I just would really, really appreciate something like that. So I would say that's something else. Yeah, no, I think that's a great one. Uh, My other one would be, again, back to our experience in the gig would be to like, take time to like write out kind of a list of things you love. And the things you don't love or hate or didn't like or want less of um, when it comes to events that you've worked. Again, if you're trying to really hone in on how you're pitching yourself, it's great to say you do everything, but it can be really hard then to think of you. And so even if you've had a very negative experience, I'm sure you can find some positives because my favorite tip, I give this to like young grads all the time is like, or anybody who interned or anything, I'm like, write down the pros and cons and then look at some of your cons and see maybe do you like the flip side of that? Did you hate being micromanaged? Okay, maybe you like being then on a more independent role or an independent team. Like even if it was a thousand, you have a hundred negative points, only one positive. A lot of those negatives you can probably see the reverse of and that can help guide you for where you want to go and what kind of opportunities you're looking for. So pros and cons lists can be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. That is a great one. Um, I think there's lots of good, you know, hopefully those are some good tips to grow skills. Any other tips that you have? I have another one that I just thought of because it was very helpful. And we just, uh, I do this event pros book club and Mary is, Mary is a part of it. And we have event pros from across the country and the world. We have some international folks in the group and it's really fun. And we had 
somebody join our podcast or join our group the other day who was talking about moving to a new city and how hard it can be to break in. Like maybe you were an expert in the city and the location that you used to live in. And now you kind of have to start over. And she had called out MPI meeting professionals international as a great resource. And that is one that I will say, I will double click on and say, yes, it is a great resource, but also my secret sauce was then I volunteered at their event. Our local chapter here in Washington does like an educational conference every year. And by volunteering at the event, I then got several paid gigs out of it from the other planners and people that I worked with at the event. Because once again, I was like, it's not like I showed off. I did what I was asked to do and maybe anticipated some questions like Mary's asking. So I made a positive impression and that led to paid work. So that's another opportunity where you can really like volunteering at an event that the guests are going to be the people you want to work with can be really helpful and crucial for helping you get your next project and just kind of show your stuff. Love, love MPI. I just went to an event last night for it. So absolutely. Hopefully this was, you know, helpful. I think this was a really, really great episode and question. So Alicia, thank you for sending this question to us. This is an important topic. If you have additional, you know, insights, please reach out to us. We love to hear from you all as well. Um, So that brings us to the end of our episode and to our bonus tip for today, which Logan has. Yes, this bonus tip is a little fun. It's a buy a Polaroid camera for yourself or maybe your friends or family. I've been using one since last fall and it's been really fun to have these instant photos that are keepsakes for myself and my family. I brought them to a lot of different like life events and um, you can also buy the film bulk online. And so I think that's usually a lot of people think the film's expensive, but it's just fun and and just a little bit of levity and I enjoy some printed photos. So it just kind of instantly does that and gets the photos off my phone. So get yourself a Polaroid camera. Love it. That's a fun bonus tip for sure. I've seen those and I love it. I have a couple photos from Polaroid cameras like around my house and I always think they're fun. So awesome. Well, thank you everybody for sticking with us through another episode of the Better Events Podcast. If you'd like to find us or follow us, you can on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, at Better Events Pod, not on threads yet. We'll see. Calling that out. Um, email us at bettereventspod at gmail.com. You can visit our website at bettereventspod.com and you can connect with us on LinkedIn directly. We love to hear from you. We've seen you all doing that and it's so fun. So thank you for doing that. Um, and thanks so much for listening to another episode. We will be back with you again next Wednesday. Bye.